Hey guys, it's Brian from the Dude What Podcast, and I want to thank you for tuning in to a special edition of our show this week. We've moved to an every other week release schedule for all new episodes, and you'll get that new episode next week when we cover the category space. But for this week, you're getting a side table discussion on Stranger Things Season 4, Part 1. And Part 2 should be released this weekend just in time for America's birthday. There will be spoilers on this side table as we talk about all things related to Season 4 of Stranger Things. And there's a little language warning on this one. Not too bad, but just be prepared for that. So sit back and let us navigate you through the Upside Down. Enjoy. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I just want to watch my movie. (laughs) You're cheering. I'm making love to the camera. Anywho. (laughs) So, Jim. So awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of strange. That was very strange. Good segue, bro. Have you seen Stranger Things lately? (laughs) Speaking of Stranger Things. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, here's the thing. You and your missus, you guys went back and binged through the whole run to lead up to this uh, newer season that has just come out. Yes. So, you have a lot more context to the story. Like, I was, Holy crap, We dude. were watching it, and I was just trying to piece stuff together oh and trying to goodness. remember. But, you know, Jess for the win and myself and, and Kylie have been doing a Marvel run. Right. Right. And, and so, put that you know, Jess is like a couple hours away. And so, we're in a group text. We basically are saying, hey, we're going to do a countdown, kind of a la Dude Rector's Cut. Right. And then we'll hit play and we'll yep. we'll watch the show together. Or we were watching the movies together and we would text back and forth while we're doing it. And we said, hey, Stranger Things 4 is going to come out. We want to binge all of Stranger Things in preparation for that. And right. Jess was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So, dude, yeah, we sat down and holy crap, man. It was well worth it in yeah. preparation for, for this season. Right. And of course, right now at the time of recording, we're still waiting for... Yes, the, the part second two. part. Yeah, part two of season four that is coming out. And I believe they've already said that they're going to do a season five. And I think season five is going to be the end of the run. That is what I heard. Yeah, which I've said it before and I'll say it again. Good. Yes. Because at some point you got to round your story out. Yes. So I, I guess we should go ahead and say for this is obviously a bonus special, right? So yeah, this is a well side table. The, I mean, uh, spoiler I, alert I will have already put uh, an intro on this thing. So you guys, uh, you guys should know by now. But I mean, if you don't know already. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, definitely going to be spoilers on this for sure. We're going to talk about the story. We're going to talk about the cast and and the implications of what this season means going forward. Here we go. Let's get into it, dude. Dude. Where do you want to jump off at? I don't even freaking know. I don't know um, either because it's just ridiculous. Like, here's the thing. I'll, I'll say this. You know, we talked about how you need to round out your story. Yeah. And I hate when shows get drug out just because they're popular and you want to make more money off of it. But I've also said... As long as your storyline makes sense, I guess keep going with it. But I said after season three, whenever the way they left it off, I was like, okay, next season's got to be the end. It's got to be. You know, season four has got to be the end. And then they say they're doing season five. I'm like, how? How? How much can you take from the well before the well runs dry? Is my whole thought yeah. on it. And I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I felt that way too. But you watch it and you're like, God damn it, this is so good. Well, and so I was actually talking with a friend about this the other day. With Stranger Things, yeah. they had already blocked out and written the story for five seasons. Okay. Everything in this season four, dude, there are so many callbacks and so many piece togethers. Oh, you're yeah. just like, what? 
It is very difficult to do that if you have. If gotten, you're writing if season you've got to a season, story, yep, yep. and you're writing yep. each one. Yeah, season so this, to season, you can't do callbacks like that because you run into continuity errors. Yes, but if you already have an overall arc of where you want to go, you can dick around as much as you want in the middle. Yes. Well, and it makes more sense. They've been dropping breadcrumbs from season one that we had no freaking. See, clue. you'll have. <laughs> You'll have better insight into this than me because you went back and rewatched yes. it. I haven't seen season one, two, and three since we watched them on their original run. Yes. You you need to go back and watch them. Like, seriously. And, and people are like, oh, yeah, I'll just wait. I think, honestly, most people have went back and watched before season oh, four. Oh, I guarantee it. And they're probably doing it now. Probably In so. preparation for the second part of season four. Right. But by doing that, though... Holy crap, man. And I think that's where this season where everybody's been losing their shit over because they're like, this is awesome. This right. is amazing. Well, that's why. It's yeah. because they're they're having these moments of like, oh, wait, this isn't a season by season overriding new shit. Yeah. It's a, you've had a game plan from day one. Well, that's a testament to good writers, too. Yes. And producers to have faith in the writers to give you a product that it can last that long. Yes, just even the actors and stuff like they're, they're just the, they're continuing to carry on that story arc. They have grown. We have watched these kids grow, literally uh, <laughs> grow literally from little into, kids, you know. And and as they're even getting their acting chops, yep. right, which has been really cool to watch too, right, um, outside of the series. But you're talking about good writing. You're talking about just the storytelling element. One of the things I think I text you when I was binging season three, it hit me going back and watching through anybody who loves movies. And anybody that has any nostalgia whatsoever of the 80s and 90s, like especially the 80s, will absolutely love this series. Right. They do such a excellent job of getting and nailing the era that they're looking for and then bringing and pulling out all of the great things about that era. Right. Well, it's funny that you say that. Talking soundtracks specifically, there's a scene, I think it's in season two, where Billy is driving in his car and he's just hauling ass, tearing ass down the road or whatever. And yeah. he's listening to Metallica, yes. the yep. four horsemen. Yeah. And then when they cut to his bedroom, when he gets home, there is the cover of Kill 'Em All hanging on the wall. Yep. Because you, you think about it, the time frame, this was like 84, 85. That album came out 83. So it's yeah. like right there it's on the cut. Like, and it's like, that is awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge Metallica fan, obviously. And so seeing that that represented, it works so well in the scene with the character, his attitude, his aggression, yeah. just his overall character. It made sense for that moment i was like these guys are really good at going through and getting what they need for the shots this is like awesome yeah there was a scene where and i, I like it just because the song i guess so this is after like uh, mike and, and l they're dating right? right and they're they're having the whole it's i think it's season three where they're just making out all the time yeah they leave like, the door cracked open yeah. i was laughing and i kept like texting kylie and, and jess about like i was like this is literally me in like 10 years because like <laughs> 
Hopper's like sitting there watching the show and he's like laying in back, yeah. and, like peeking through the door. He's like, hey, you know, and I was like, that's totally me. Right. But then he has this conversation with Mike out in his truck, basically, of like saying like your Nana's dying or something and, and more or less like telling him that, hey, look, man, I'm, I'll mess your stuff up if you keep, uh, yeah. you know, keep coming around. So after he drops Mike off. Hopper's driving down the road and he's listening, don't mess around with Jim. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull a mask off at old Lone Ranger and you don't mess around with Jim. But it's just like the the beats for the music, everything, dude. They thought through this. Uh, even like the name of like Nancy, you think about Nancy, and then this season. Let's talk about season four. Season four is ridiculous. Nancy dude. and Freddie. Oh shit! Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't even piece that together. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then you look at a lot of this season. Oh yeah. Had a Nightmare on Elm Street. Had a vibe. very heavy Nightmare on Elm Street Big vibe. Time. And in fact, my wife at one point, Vecna's doing some crazy stuff. And my wife just goes, is this like Nightmare on M Street? And I'm like, it kind of has that vibe. Yeah. Well, and then Freddie himself shows up. Right. Robert England is is the... I heard he was going to be in this season. I did not know he was going to be in it. And when they were going to visit him in the asylum, I called it before he even popped on screen. I said, how much you want to bet Robert England... Is the guy because there's so much Nightmare on Elm Street vibes going on, you know, yes. especially like with going to the house and all this stuff. And I called it before that scene even unveiled. I was yeah. like, I said, How much you want to bet it's Robert England? And she goes, Who's Robert England? I said, That is the guy who played Freddy Krueger in the original Kruger, run. Brother. And she goes, Really? I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then whenever he had that side profile, you didn't even see his face. I said, Freaking Robert England. Yep. I called it. And yep. she's like, You don't even, you can't even tell. And then you saw his full face yeah. and how his eyes were the cut eyes out. His eyes were cut out. Oh, yeah. dang, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insanity. Yeah. But a nice touch, a nice nod. You talk about all these different little nods along the way, you know, like when they're wearing the Ghostbusters outfits and yes. like, was it season two? Uh, just all the little things along the way. And then you throw Robert England in there, slip him in there. A nice, another nod to the 80s. Of course, we didn't give a favorable review for Nightmare on Elm Street. But anyway, right. okay. <laughs> we'll give you a favorable. great character, great concept, execution. Robert, you're great. Just- Robert, you were amazing, but <laughs> let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, having him in there, a nice little touch and amazing scene, amazing character, yes. uh, amazing story building. Really, really cool. Even that whole buildup, there's that tension, man. They did a really good job of navigating that tension with pretending to be the, yeah. from the school right. and all of this. And uh, you, you see that good character dynamic, but yeah. then there's this element of like, well, crap, they're like going deep into this dungeon, basically. What? And, how are they going to get out of there and if I they love, get caught? Like, and I love the fact that they did a really good job of building the suspense in that scene and making you wonder, is he just this batshit crazy guy down there? Is he dangerous? Is he going to do this? Cause they're like, don't get close to the cage, you know, yeah. whatever. But no, he's just a guy who just had everything taken from him. Yeah. Everything in a so supernatural way that it just broke his psyche forever. Well, and that leads into the one scene where honestly, there's kind of this giveaway in the trailer for Stranger Things 4, 
with Max being elevated, like she's basically okay, yeah, yeah, being pulled in by Vecna, yeah, and she, like because there's a scene in the trailer where she's like floating in the cemetery, right? You had no context for it, but then once you see that this is how Vecna's killing people off, yeah, you see that in the first two episodes, and then like what is it by the third episode you realize Max is marked, and then if you saw the trailer, you're like. Oh, fuck. Yeah, at what point (laughs) is that going to come into play? But it's just like, so even from a marketing standpoint, bravo, because you've planted a seed of like, wait, are they going to kill off Max? Well, that's that's one of the beautiful things that the whole entire machine of Stranger Things has done really well. I mean, not necessarily just with writing and acting, but production, directing, and marketing. Marketing has been great. Marketing has been Stellar, outstanding marketing is what gets people interested in wanting to see your product. Now, once you get them there, you have to have a good product, which I mean, they've been delivering on that, but they even started well before this season even released. Whenever they put that teaser out where it shows that shot in Russia where they're just showing them the chain gang working on the railroad, and then you see Hopper turn around with a shaved head and looking all gruff and stuff, and you're like, He is alive, yes, (laughs) the way they've handled the hype campaign, so to speak, yeah. with regard to Stranger Things, it just in general, has been stellar. Yeah. Outstanding. With the trailers and the marketing element, they have done a really good job of giving you enough, but not giving away anything. Right. And that's which, the key. Which is very difficult to do. It's difficult to do, but it's well, doable if you're good at your job. I would say difficult. I think maybe we're just so used to the movie industry standard well, of, hey, we're, we're going to give you all the good scenes. Yes, and that's what I was getting ready to say. More times than not, especially if it's a shit movie or a shit TV show, yeah. they show you all the good stuff in the trailer just to get you in. And then you get in and you're like, well, they showed all the good stuff in the trailer. What? Why am I here? What's the point? But that's the thing about Stranger Things, and I think it helps that you're telling a story episodically because then you have more room to work with. Right. It's not as difficult to put out a trailer or put out marketing to help promote your stuff without giving away all the good stuff. But the cool thing about Stranger Things is there's more than enough good stuff to put in the trailer to where you have more good stuff to get to. So you are not you don't give anything away. Like If anything, you just pique the interest of people even more. Yeah, and I mean, another element to the marketing that I've thought about, you know that you have developed a really good story and you've developed characters when you go into Target <laughs> and literally there is everything that is a nerds wet dream <laughs> is in stranger things right they have everything as far as yep. the the bobbleheads and the like just everything and all the collector stuff everything in there yeah and i think that's also a testament to the, the marketing ability right and you can't do that unless you have very memorable solid characters right so let's talk about solid memorable characters <laughs> all of them all of them right <laughs> um even like the introduction of new ones right like each season yeah because you're kind of like mm-hmm, am i gonna like them and then you're like that's the thing that i enjoy about this show as well it's just this idea of you have your core cast but you introduce side characters along the way that become very integral to the storytelling and that you love and you're like this is awesome. This is nice because it's nice to have a story that you can give a damn about all the characters, whether you hate them or not. Right. But you at least give a damn about what happens. Yeah. From the beginning of season four, which there was a little disclaimer there because the, the timing of it coming out. Right. And after you that, that was kind of like, yeah. Ugh. and then you saw the scene and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You talk about messing with your, your head a little here's, bit. Here's the thing for me. And maybe I, maybe I just have a, a brain that just works differently. Like, I didn't make a connection between the two. 
I can see how some people would make a connection. Yes. Just because it's kids involved and the violence and yeah. all that stuff. I, I understand that and I totally respect that. But for me personally, I saw it as two completely different situations. Very much yeah. so. It would not have even been a thought for me had they not put the warning at the That's time. what I'm saying. But it, that even adds a whole different level of like darkness going into this season. Yeah. Because that's the one thing everybody that had seen things before I had, they were talking about, it starts out really dark. And I was like, well, I thought that with the first season. Originally, when I first watched the first season, I was like, oh, this is pretty dark. Yeah. And then I thought about the second season. Well, it's and just, then the third season, I was like, this is really dark. The thing about it is <laughs> <laughs> this universe, this storytelling, this area that they've built this world in, it's dark. It's a yes. dark, dark, dark world. Yeah. And it's layered into this time frame where everything was all poppy and bright and neon and all this stuff, right? Yeah. And so there's a, a duality between the two there. So they work hand in hand really well. And so when you watch it and they up the ante every year, they're not topping themselves. They're just revealing the monster. Right. And that's the cool that's, thing about it. That's a good way of looking at it. There are TV shows and there are movie franchises that are constantly topping themselves. Fast and Furious. I got family. Shut up, dude. That make no sense to the story. They're right. just topping themselves to top themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in this instance, that's not the case. You're just revealing more of the darkness. That's all it is. That yeah. was already there. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, as you say that, even as I'm thinking through this, like, you're right, because the first season, it all took place in the Upside Down. Right. All the darkness was there. All the darkness was there. And then it started trickling out. Yes. Yes. And then the second one, it was trickling out more. You get more. And then the third one, it was full full on in your face. Right. To where the town has to cover stuff up. Yes. And then in season four, where we're at right now, it gets pretty insane. Season three was, there was the monster coming after the main characters. Right. This season starts off with like tertiary characters that we wouldn't even think, we don't even know anything about. Yeah. And they're killing them off and you're like, okay. What what does this have to do with anything? And how does this have anything to do with... And then you see how it all slowly starts to connect. And then when you have that callback scene towards the end, when L takes out number one... And like more or less banishes him to the upside down. Yeah. Which you didn't even realize she inadvertently opened up the oh, portal. You know? Which happens to be the portal she closed. Yes. Cause and you don't if you're not watching it, you don't catch yeah. that, that wall was the portal. Right. That they ended up and, building the thing around. Yeah, and that's what I said, you know, in that scene when that happened, whenever she is like just obliterating him yeah. and letting him have it, and she blows him through the wall. And you see that portal open up. I, that was the first thing that I said. I was like, oh, Elle opened the portal herself. Yeah, which explains why she's carrying the weight of yes. that. And has been. Yes. <laughs> Dude, the storytelling, man. And like you said, you can't get there unless you already have the art created. Right. If you don't have the art created and you're trying to piece it along the way, it's hard, man. Yeah. It's really hard. I will say there was one thing that I've been hearing trivia on. One of the characters that originally was not supposed to be... He was not supposed to make it this far. Oh, yeah? Which one was that? And that is Steve. Really? Steve was supposed to be killed off in season one. Really? But I guess with some of the test runs that they were they were showing originally, yeah. everyone loved Steve. He's a great character. And so they that is one thing that they've added his story, him into the story, where I think he was supposed to be killed off in the first one. Well, and he, <laughs> he, I, I'll, he's I'll, become a... I'll tell you this right now. If they end up... 
in some way like trying to go back to that, like retrofit that demise for that character later on yeah. i think you're gonna have a lot of pissed off people and the reason why is because he's such a lovable character yeah. and the reason why he's so lovable is because he's relatable in the regard that he was a jockey douche asshole right who realized that he was a jockey douche asshole yeah and changed his ways and now he's just a a, a normal guy trying to figure out life yeah. trying to figure out his path yeah. trying to figure out who he is yeah Everyone can relate to that. And so if you kill off such a relatable character, you're going to have a lot of pissed off people. Well, and so if you knew that as you're watching season four, yeah, the moment he goes into the upside down. I tell you what, man. You're like, are they going to kill off Steve? And the crazy thing about it is like, <laughs> like as oblivious as he is in his personal life. Yeah. Because he's seen so much shit in this short amount of time with the upside down and everything that has happened. He is like literally a champion you can root for. Yes. He is somebody that you're like, yes, Steve's going to make this happen. Like he, for all his obliviousness and his uh, shortcomings, like with his personal life, his dating life that you see, which all that stuff is hilarious. You know, all that stuff is really funny. Watch him navigate that because we, we can all relate to that. We've right, all been there. Right. But you see where he's kind of battle tested with all the stuff. And he's like, he just dives head, literally dives head first. And he's like, this has to be done. We got to do this. Yeah. I've seen enough of this. I know what comes next. And he doesn't flinch. Yeah. He goes straight for it. Then you see that book ended when he goes through the portal underwater and then they follow him down. And then uh, Eddie has that conversation with him. He's like, she was the first one that went in after you. Right. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. It's cool it, to see that, that, that conversation. Re that reveal of Eddie. Because here's the thing. The moment Eddie shows up on screen, honestly, my thought was... Did he bring Vecna? Right. Is he the bad guy? Well, they did a good job of painting that with the whole D&D thing. I, I'm so glad we're talking about this now because you've been on this goddamn D&D kick for like months. Oh, okay. And it all plays in perfectly okay. because there was that backlash in the late 70s, early 80s yes. about this idea of cults surrounding yes. D&D. And it's literally just a bunch of dudes getting together playing a fucking board game. Right. Well, so like, because you still have this idea, though, of, of Eddie being this badass character. Right. But he's and not. And he reveals back like, dude, I, like, yeah, I am in D&D, like in the imaginary world that I've create. Right. Other, like, other, other than I'm that, just like a, a scared kid, basically, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing that always gets lost on people, too, I think, watching the show. These are teenage kids. Right. Teenage kids right. that have gone through shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just, I, the Steve Harrington character, he is a character that, yeah, you hate him season one. Yeah. But then you love him. Yeah. Because he evolves. If he had just stayed the same character, he would have been a character to easily hate, no problem. Yeah. But that's the great thing about this show. They give a chance for all these characters to evolve and grow and become different. Yeah. Because what do kids do as they grow older? They become different. Right. Some of them, some of them keep the same attributes, but they evolve characteristics. And that's a, a such an important story point to have whenever you're telling this big story that's lasting over X amount of years. Well, and I, I think that, yeah, having that, adding that layer into the storytelling as yeah. well, that, that just gives you more depth to your characters. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Talking about D&D. &D. Here we go again. <laughs> we, well, we got to, obviously. Dude, one of the biggest scenes in the first episode. Yeah. For most people, they'll be like, oh, that was cool. That was awesome. If you've played D&D, &D, the basketball scene, where yeah. they, they're doing the back and forth, uh, if you've played D&D... &D, then you were probably up out of your seat by the end of it. When they wrote, when when yeah. Erica rolls the the natural twenty, yeah, 
and they're losing their shit. If you've yeah. never played D&D, you're kind of like, I guess that's a big deal. If you play D&D, no, you're losing your shit too. Right. So Jess for the Wind plays D&D. I do as well. My wife has no desire. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a wonder sometimes that we're, we're married, actually. <laughs> you try and recruit me, but I don't have time. Yeah. But like, so during that scene, both Jess and I were like, a nat 20. Like, we're losing our shit. And Kylie's like, going to be like, really? Like, like <laughs> nerds. <laughs> but the way they kept doing that, that whole scene, that whole montage. Well, no, it's, you, it, you know, it's this picture of like, you've got your popular athletic. You have sports. And then you you've got people who do this. This is their sport. There's a storytelling element in yeah. the, that episode. The emotional attachment is no different between the two. You're passionate about your thing. Right. And so when you do really well in it, you show it. I think that's the problem. And we can do a deep dive on this some other time, but I think that's the problem with our society. You know, we put so much importance on one thing and don't leave enough room for something else. You know, you know, you don't understand one culture over another that falls down into the whole thing. It's like, all right, well, that's your thing. Yeah. As long as you're happy. Cool. That's awesome. Great. Thumbs up. Keep doing your thing, man. And so, like, you see it with the basketball, the sport. You know, he has this interest to play basketball, and he's doing that. But they have this interest. They want to do D&D. But I think it's also important to note that you can have interest in both. Right. And that's just a a, a testimony and, and a commentary on teenage kids who find themselves in a moment where they want to do both things, and they have to choose. Yeah. You know, you find yourself in a moment. Like, if you're a two-sport athlete and the two seasons overlap, which one's more important? Which right. one are you going to go to if you don't have time for both? You know, and so <laughs> well, it, we talked about on Hunger Games yeah. about layers of storytelling. Yeah. Stranger it's, Things, Stranger dude. Things is just to the nth degree of layers of storytelling yeah. that, and commentary on certain things and and social issues, especially when dealing with kids. Yeah, even with Lucas, even with that character. Yes, like was we're talking about, like you see the evolution, right? He gets accepted into the popular crowd, right. Because he's good at, at basketball. Yeah. But if they knew how he was personally and, and his that, interest that starts to get revealed. And yeah. the, but there's a point. This is where they did so well with the freaking storytelling, dude. Because there's a point you're like, is Lucas going to sell him out? Right. Yes. And you don't freaking know. Yes. Like they did so good. At, yes. Going, he very well might. Well, because you, you can't blame the kid because you, you're like cause you putting got, yourself in his situation. Because you got Hopper's place out in the woods. You got the cabin out by the lake. And they're, it's a wooded area too, and so they, with with regard to cinematography, they are able to blend those two areas so well and make you wonder: shit, is he really turning? Is yeah. he really doing this? Yeah. yeah, you know. And then you see the big reveal of it that he didn't. He just led them away, and right. so he can go and try and protect them. Very good storytelling. Yeah. Very good building of the script to build that intensity and that worry. <laughs> like, yes. Like, oh shit, because you become worried about these characters. Right, because well, you're like, oh, come on, Lucas. But at the same time, I put myself in his shoes of, as a teenager. Right. Like, peer pressure, like, it, it yeah. is a thing. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, this is the group that's accepted me I, now. And I think when we were watching, I think my daughter was like, Lucas is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on. I yeah. mean, you, you never know. You never know. Erica, man, her character. Right. Lucas's sister. Yep. Like, she was... Scene stealer. Season three, man. She Scene was freaking hilarious. She's awesome. And so to bring her in, because in season three, they're constantly telling her, you're a nerd. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not a nerd or whatever. And so then she's kind of embraced that. Now. Right. She's gotten a little older and know that she's playing D&D. She's like an alpha nerd. She is. She really so is even, an alpha even nerd. Even like her introduction to Eddie and Eddie's like, like again, from a D&D standpoint, 
people are probably like, okay, that's pretty funny. But yeah. from a D&D standpoint, you're like, okay. Yeah, she I just get it. owned his ass big yeah. time, you know. But I love whenever she does roll the natural 20, his reaction, because he's like, it was almost like a proud dad kind yes. of reaction. Yes. Then, then he make a comment. He says something like, and this is why we play. This is why we this play. This is why we play. Yeah. And he, he's not wrong. The whole thing with D&D is like, yes, you have characters you've built. You have a story as the dungeon master, as Eddie yeah. was that, you know, he has a world that he has built yeah. for them to come into. He's inviting them into, and there's collaborative storytelling, and it's the roll of the dice that determines what happens. Right. And that is the excitement element. Yeah. And that's why you see these guys are like, they've had these characters, and this is the last of the campaign, so they have been with these characters for who knows how long. Right. They've built up to these levels. They've basically become a part of them these yep. characters have and they're all dying and so for erica to save the day you know it, right. it's just like so yeah you know we talked about childhood and going back and recapturing some childhood <laughs> i've been playing hero quest it's a board game that came out in the late 80s early 90s and it went out of production but then a few years back they got into doing this crowdfunding for it and trying to bring it back and you know they raised enough money to put do a run and you can actually go and pick it up at a GameStop now you can buy nice. you know they did a reissue of it and so i bought an original one off eBay, and we've been playing, and the kids freaking love it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Stranger Things thing that has happened recently right. with the D&D, &D. and so you see that because Hero Quest is kind of like a more structured version of D&D &D, where yeah. it's like, you know, it's a board game, you have this, and it doesn't last and last and last. You have different quests and stuff that you play, and they love it, yeah. and they're all about it. And we get that same excitement, right. you know, because yeah. I, I play, I'm like, I play as a character called Zargon, who's like the dungeon master, and yeah. I overlook the board, and I have to put characters out and stuff, and their goal is to basically defeat me. Right. You know? yeah. And it gets exciting when you're rolling. It's like, you got to roll this and it's like, ah, you didn't get it. And yeah. it's like, son of a bitch, you know? And so you have this back and forth competition and it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I don't think you can contribute enough credit to Stranger Things for the resurgence in D&D. Right. Because uh, talking to my friend Luis, we've talked about Luis before, but he was telling me how like d and is kind of in the golden age right now. Stranger Things, I think, has helped rejuvenate some of that, yeah. that interest in it. Well, we touched sure. on it a little bit whenever we talked about uh, Metal Lords, whenever I talked about the movie, Joe Mangiello. Yeah. How you talk yeah. about how he's hosted D&D games like in his basement. You yeah. know, he's got this whole setup down there and everything. And, and what's funny about that is he helped with the crowdfunding on Hero Quest. For Hero Quest. Yeah, he, yeah. he actually contributed that where he designed a quest and designed characters and if you if they reached a certain tier of donation you could unlock his stuff whenever you bought the game gotcha. through this yeah. website and it's one of those things i wish i had known about it because i found out after the fact oh, and if man, i had known some, about it i couldn't gotten all that stuff some of that like, cool son of a bitch you know <laughs> but you know he was a part of that too so it just shows you like the fandom of it and He's probably been a fan for a long time doing the D&D, &D, but yes, Stranger Things has definitely piqued the interest, spiked it, got it real high, and a lot of people are into it. And a lot of people are realizing, hey, this is fun. It's well, just, it's fun. It it's, it's a creative outlet. It's a board game. You gather around with your friends, you interact, and you have fun. Yeah. The storytelling elements that D&D &D itself right. lends itself to. Right. Which, again, I think is a testament to Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Because... The layers of yes. story. To be able to take your story and then layer in D&D &D with it and have it go side by side and using these characters that are from the D&D &D world as your way to identify what's happening in their real world. You know, you the Demogorgon, Vecna, yeah. all, all the stuff that is happening. It's creative as shit, man. It's just all it, you can say. It's yeah. just really, really in-depth storytelling that it's creative as shit. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah. it's nice. <laughs> 
man. I just think about Dustin. I'm just thinking about all these characters that we've grown to love. But like Dustin's another one. I was just thinking about how the nerds, quote unquote, yeah. have become the experts. Yes. And it's because yes. of this game. You know, yes. and, and and they're not saying, hey, this is what that is. But they're saying this is it's like, like this, this character. It's like this character. This is what this character in this game would do. So we don't have a name for what's happening to us in our real world, but we can we can we call can, it this. We can call it, it this because this, this is what it reminds yeah. us of. Uh, so the like, Mind Flayer, the Demogorgon, Vecna, all these different names that are translated from D&D as a means to identify what's happening to them. It's just a, a simple way for them to keep it track. And it, it, you think of it in that term. I mean, these are kids and this is... This is how it's easy for them to process it. Right. Well, <laughs> because and, and this is be this, kind of a, out, this otherworldly shit that's happening to them. It's like, how do you even begin to process it? Well, it's like this. Okay, well, we'll just call it that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. Like, so it's not as, I mean, it's still a very traumatic experience for them, but it's like not out of the realm right. of their mind. Because yes. they're like, oh, okay, this is like, yeah. Because yeah. there's a scene in season three where um, Dustin and Hopper are talking about the Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer. What the hell is that? It's a monster from an unknown dimension. It's so ancient that it doesn't even know its true home. Okay, it enslaves races of other dimensions by taking over their brains using its highly developed psionic powers. Oh my god, none of this is real. This is a kid's game. No, it, it, it's a manual, and it's not for kids. And unless you know something that we don't, this is the best metaphor. Analogy. Analogy. That's what you're worried about. Fine, but an analogy for understanding whatever the hell this is. Okay, so this mind flamer thing. Flayer, mind flayer. What does it want? To conquer us, basically. You know, it, it believes it's the master race. Uh, like the like the Germans. Uh, the, the Nazis. All right, great. So how do you kill this thing? Shoot it with fireballs no, or something? No, 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 fi no fireballs. Uh, you summon an undead army uh, because. Because the zombies, you know, they, they don't they don't have brains, and the the mind flayer it 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 likes brains. It's just a game. The constant references back to the to the D and D, which yeah. I think is kind of funny that this whole season we've talked a lot about it. Um, yeah, but well, it which just, has not been intentional, but it's it just, just how it is. That's how we lends that, itself. That's how our show has always been. We nothing. We don't do anything planned. <laughs> it just kind of all falls in. Yeah, but but as a whole, man. So let's talk about Vecna for a second, dude. Dude, the big bad, just terrifying. Terrifying. Someone who feeds off fear, basically, and it has the wherewithal, the power, and the means to tap into the real world from the upside down. Just crazy, dude. And the visuals that come along with that, with the ticking clock, crazy, dude. The first one, the uh, the girl. The cheerleader. The cheerleader. Yeah. When they were showing her, like, basically going full exorcist there. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... What yep. in the heck? Yep. She comes all contorted and broken and just, yeah, it's terrifying, dude. It's and, and just, terrifying. yeah. So it, I will say those first couple episodes, man, were, were pretty rough. Like yeah. Kylie and I were like, I hope it lightens up a little bit. Like, cause I don't know if we can keep going. I don't know if we're going to stay with you. And sure enough, episode three is where things then kind of brighten a little bit. Yeah. And then like, you're like, okay, still dark, but now I'm okay with the darkness a little dark. bit. But yeah, just his his choice of like sucking the life out of them literally. Literally, yeah. And it's it, nuts. Yeah, them contorting like that. I will say it's my understanding that the like most of it has been actual practical effects. Really? Like a really large portion of it. Nice. Of what I was reading that you know there wasn't a lot of CGI. I know with season 3 there was a lot of CGI because of the mind flare. Yep. Uh but yeah, there's a lot of the Vecna, all of that is like he that was him well, in makeup. Yeah, I saw a video of him in the chair getting the makeup put on and it's like 
I bet that sucked. He went through a couple <laughs> cups of coffee, dude. <laughs> You're like, man. I'm like, give me a gallon. <laughs> give me a gallon of hot coffee. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> I wonder if he got the Navy SEALs training that Jim Carrey got on the oh. ranch. <laughs> About torture, about yeah, the torture training. How, to, how to survive torture. <laughs> Man, that's a callback. Yes, it is. <laughs> Good Lord. Whew. The makeup on that was great because it, it was very terrifying. And then how he kind of did the uh, the whole Avatar thing where he just like links up through the upside down to the real world to make contact and stuff. That's terrifying, dude. Just terrifying. Well, what do you think of that scene where they're in the house and like he's making the kill in the, in the lake? Oh, it's crazy because they're all like standing around and yeah. you, as they're coming to the realization I, I just like the way that they've done that because you're coming to the realization as they are of like oh shit and look, then you see that there's there's definitely something going on with the lights and the i don't know like the even that element <laughs> the intensity of the storytelling and like how the callback to season one where joyce used the christmas lights to make contact with will you know, you see how they use that that aspect when they're in the upside down using the the the, the light the, bright. The light bright. Talk uh, about a nostalgic uh, blast from the past. I there. guarantee you, there's going to be a boost in sales of, of light brights here. <laughs> people are, people are going to want light brights just to have on their shelf. J- right. <laughs> kind of wish I still had. Mine. I kind of wish we had one in here right now. If I'm being honest with you, <laughs> we can put that over there and make that our light in the studio. <laughs> just seeing the way they the, all those scenes fall and talking about building the suspense and the intensity, like when they're walking through the house and they're following the light and everything it's just really really good yeah. <laughs> just really good storytelling man <laughs> just intense fun exciting suspenseful what else can you say about it i mean there's not really much else you can say i mean it's just it's been a hell of a ride i'm surprised it's lasted this long but you see the content of it you're like it's no surprise just damn good storytelling and to know that honestly if the pandemic wouldn't have reared its ugly head honestly we probably would be talking about season five at this point you're you're probably right we probably would be talking about season five uh it would probably either have just just dropped or had already had already been released yeah you know and we'd already been talking about it yeah but i will say even with that element i was a little worried with this season coming out of like how are you going to make these kids still look like kids when they're literally like 22, 23 years old now. Oh, and they did a fantastic job. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just feel bad for Will and his bow cut. That guy. <laughs> look, here's the thing. That haircut is scarier than Vecna. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. <laughs> and he has like a Stuart look from Mad TV. Look what I can do. With his crazy clothes he's wearing and his crazy haircut, like just give him some layers there, man. Just cl- clean it up. Just yeah. clean it up. All right, he's yeah. old enough yeah. now. Clean the haircut. Come up. on, Joyce. Like let's, you can do better than that. You can do better. Yeah. So yeah, poor Will. The one glaring problem of the story from it's, season it's four cut. is yeah. Will's haircut. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Which even I will say, even his character. A little awkward, but I think... But he was already going to be an awkward kid, right? Well, yeah, I mean, given the circumstances, but yes, but then, he's like, been uprooted from his life, everything he knows, which, I mean, the main portion is his, is his friend group. And and they have all these experience out, outside of what he... Right, had. and he doesn't have any of that. And, and so, so it, there's the awkwardness, disconnect there. Even. I, you do, you feel bad for the character because he has gone through so much traumatic BS, and then he's uprooted from all of it. Yeah. You know? It's supposed to be a fresh start, but how can you have a fresh start whenever you're stuck on it? Yeah. So, and another layer of storytelling, but a good, clever way to bring it all back together. Because 
essentially all these characters, which I mean, it's a hell of a build towards season five because you got to think about it. They use season four to basically scatter all the characters, you know, they're yeah. scattered literally all literally, across the place, literally all over the world. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I mean, cause you have the whole thing going on in Russia right you now. Got the, like, you got the what? Russia side. And then, and then that's another, another <laughs> thing to talk about. Like, you have different aspects. Here, here's the thing. I think it was what was it season? It was season three where they had the one solo episode where L goes and meets up with one of the other kids or whatever. Yes. And and a lot of people gave a lot of flack for that because it's like you just focused on L and you didn't have the other kids in the story. And I, I think we touched on it on our show. Even I liked that episode because it harkened back for me to like whenever I was watching Heroes on yeah. NBC, where they would do that. You had so many characters to cover. But then they, every once in a while, they would take an episode and they would isolate on one hero and tell that story. Yeah. And it played into the overall story. I didn't mind that. But in this one, season four has basically been, you know, aside from the horror of Vecna and that whole thing, but it's been the storytelling of all these different layers of different aspects of the story in different locations, building towards them all coming back together. Right. They had to separate them to bring them back together. And so season four is that bridge between three and five where everyone's broken apart and now they're going to be coming back together for season five. Well, even you've got your Matthew Modine character. Yes. Uh, Which I didn't, sure shit, didn't see that coming. No, Papa's back. And yeah. You're like, what? And then knowing that him and Paul Reiser's character are like working hand in hand. So yeah. they're kind of good cop, bad cop, yin right. and yang a little yep. bit. Uh, with L's gifting, but then you're going, okay, was Papa as bad as we thought Papa well, was? Well, and that's like, the thing that they've done really well with the storytelling in this is misdirection. They've yes. done misdirection so well from season one all the way till now, making you think one thing, but then giving you something else. You know, like yes. we, we talked about it with uh, Lucas earlier, that whole misdirection of that, quote unquote, killing Hopper, the misdirection of that. And Papa with this, there's so much along the way that they have given you the backdoor cut, so to speak, yeah. and bringing you back around and giving you, like you said, was he as bad as we they made him out to be? Or was he just doing his necessary work and it just happened to be that he got painted into this picture of being an asshole? Right. But now he's swinging that around. It's, you know, he's, you, you're, yeah, there was a lot of questions. This, this I season, mean, and it's, you're like, but, wait a minute. <laughs> but you can get away with so many misdirections like that if your story is compelling. And hey, bravo. Yeah. You've done it. <laughs> the, so. the Duffer brothers have definitely made a name for themselves now. You think? <laughs> They've done a really good job. Right. A really good job. And I think, like you said, having that story arc in mind and how you want to tell your story, having a beginning, having a middle and points, and then having an end, having a clear vision. Same thing with Vince Gilligan from Breaking Bad. He had the same idea. You know, you you have a story arc you want to tell. You know, how many seasons do you think you can do it in? Yeah. You know, I have a beginning. I have an end. This is where my story is going to end. Let's tell the story yeah. along the way. And how well, do we get there? And, yeah, and, and was, that's that's just a sign of genius storytellers. Right. Well, because you and I have talked about uh, one that hasn't finished telling the story, yep. but they have it all written out I, and ready. If it's the one that I think Mind of. Hunter. Mind Hunters, David Fincher, yes. We, Kyla he, and I were scrolling through Netflix the other day, and we it came across like Watch Again. And we're yeah. like, man, that's such a good series. Yeah. 
David Fincher, get your head out of your ass, dude. <laughs> David Fincher has a five-season story arc that he wanted to tell with Mindhunters. He's got two seasons now. He's just a busy guy. He's just too damn no, busy. stop and Stop make... being busy. <laughs> Take a cue from Stranger Fo- Things. Focus on Mindhunters, man. <laughs> hey, if they ever do three, four, and five of Mindhunters, I'm holy shit. I'm Holy shit. But yeah, dude. episodic storytelling is, uh, I think it's at an all-time high right now, especially with Netflix, because you can tell those deep, dark stories and not have to worry about any kind of guidelines that you have to follow with the FCC on television. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's easier to tell darker, grittier stories on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, without the restrictions of the FCC. Oh, and I think it even shows a, a shift in the industry. Right. right. Because used to, it was like, hey, I got to get a pilot out. Right. No. And then we'll build the story after. No, you don't even have it's to like, do that no, now. no, write the story. Yep. Film your pilot, okay. Yeah. I mean, we haven't inter- interacted with any streaming executives or anything, but I would imagine <laughs> if you have a really good freaking story. Hey, you guys at DudeWhatPod.com, we're... Glad to have Get you. Get us on. up. We got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs>